Our Prime Minister Albanese was in Berlin last week, of course, uh, announcing a a defence deal with Germany. We'll be uh, selling to Germany $1 billion worth of uh, Brisbane-made armoured vehicles and it's apparently one of our largest ever defence export deals. We're also sending an aircraft to be based in Germany at a Ukraine uh, logistics hub. It's all part of Germany's move back into the fray, the defence and military fray. After decades of pacifism, which uh, followed the very hard lessons of World War II, a change is underway. Let me now welcome to the program Stephen Mulder, who joins us from Munich. Stephen uh, wrote an article for the Boston Review called The uh, Alarming Stake of uh, German rearmament. He's also wrote a book called Greening Democracy, the Anti-Nuclear Movement in West Germany and Beyond, 1968 to 1983. And uh, Stephen has a, a position at two institutions, the University of Groningen and the Rachel Carson Centre in Munich. Welcome to our little wireless program, Stephen. What's the what was the first official sign that Germany was changing tack? Well, thanks very much uh, for having me. Um, yeah, I guess the first official sign of this latest change in tack came just three days after the invasion, when Chancellor Schultz. Um, gave a speech uh, in which he declared the, inv- the the Russian invasion of Ukraine a watershed moment in the history of of Europe, um, and he talked about how it had marked the return of war to Europe, and that things were also therefore going to have to change in Germany from his perspective. More recently, in June, there was a uh, a promised national security strategy finally released, and there is um, debate about its value and the absence of some details. But one of the more interesting things is the bipartisan uh, politics that produced it. I'm astonished to learn from you that the foreign minister who released it is from the Green Party. Yeah, um, I mean, right now in Germany, we have a government um, of the Social Democrats with Chancellor Olaf Scholz, the Greens, and also the Liberals. So it's quite a broad um, coalition. And uh, Annalena Baerbock, the foreign minister, who, as you just said, was the one to sort of announce the release of this uh, strategic, this national security strategy, um, has played a really active role in the She's foreign minister, and she's played a really active role in the discussions about um, Ukraine and about how Germany should act in the world. You um, must find that a bit of a paradox. In, on the one hand, yes, um, it's a definite change from how the Greens presented themselves um, in the 1980s when they were first when they were founded and first entered Parliament, when they really um, were perceived sort of as the parliamentary wing of the of the peace movement. But I think that this is the end of a or the latest stage in a longer transition for the Greens that already started in the 1990s of coming to see war um, for humanitarian aims as uh, a positive, or maybe not positive would be wrong, I'm sure they wouldn't say that, but as a, as a necessary project. My guest is Stephen Milder, and 
you've got a long speciality in both uh, pacifist and green history. <laughs> now, let's wind back the clock a bit and see how we got here. What was happening straight after the war, Stephen? Well, um, you know, straight after the war, Germany was occupied by um, by the four allies and um, in both parts in what became, you know, West Germany where uh, the Britain, what what was the British, French and American zones and what became East Germany, what had been the, the, the Soviet zone of occupation. In both uh, Germany's, Cold War Germany's, there were peace movements. There were a lot of people who basically had just witnessed what had happened and to their country. And I think one major motivation was not even, certainly one motivation was Germany had done wrong and they realized that, but another one was that they had suffered themselves by the end of the war and many Germans died as well. And so Germans, uh, the first, one of the first responses was called the Ona mich or without me movement, people just saying, if you want to have rearmament, do it without me. I don't want to be involved in this anymore. So what you had was ordinary people forging a, a significant culture of peace. Yes, absolutely. And and at the same time, the government doing the same thing too and trying to present itself as, you know, a country that had, in the West, had learned its lessons from, um, from the war and wanted to now be a good member of western europe and not to be uh, you know causing a, a third world war and in the east the same thing you know just a general um the the eastern bloc claimed always that it was in favor of peace and global peace so the east germany could fit well with that goal but the cold war made this uh, these stances pretty difficult didn't it because each german state became an active member of its respective cold war bloc Exactly. So at the same time as you have a lot of popular sentiment, Germans, um, ordinary Germans uh, taking strong pacifist views, rejecting war and militarization, Germany was something, both Germanys in the Cold War were something of an armed camp with hundreds of thousands of NATO and Warsaw Pact soldiers stationed there. Um, you know, nuclear weapons, the, the whole, this was going to be the front line of a third world war between um, the, between NATO and the Warsaw Pact if one was going to take place. So, But even through the Cold War, there was a strong thread of pacifism, wasn't there? Exactly. I mean, you know, being confronted with this immense uh, military buildup, you know, Germans experience or, you know, perceive themselves to be on the front lines of a potential third world war. And they did not were not happy about that situation. They rejected it and they pushed, um, you know, initiatives to solve to solve conflicts uh, without weapons. They there were huge, especially by the 1980s, huge peace movements as the Cold War heated up again against the stationing of NATO missiles in West Germany. Um, and so there was a strong uh, sentiment. There was always a strong part of German society that was uh, strongly against uh, military intervention as a means of solving conflict. So the 1980s see this arms race escalation. But uh, in Germany, there's still a lot of protests about NATO. Yeah, that's right. Um I mean, basically, uh, NATO made the decision um, after, with the Warsaw Pact station, some new missiles in Eastern Europe that they were going to, they called it the dual track decision, to both station their own missiles and push for arms reduction negotiations at the same time. 
Um, and so a number of those missiles were to be stationed in West Germany. And in that beginning of the 1980s, um, that led to huge protests, some of the largest protests ever to take place in West Germany. It also helped the Green Party enter parliament for the first time in 1983. And um, so it really um, yeah, was a defining moment um, in the history of West Germany and showed the strong pacifist sentiment there. Well, you remind us in October 22nd, 1982, which uh, was known in West Germany as Hot Autumn, over a million Germans were in the streets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, there's there's great uh, images of people out on the streets in those protests that took place in all kinds of major, in all the major cities of Western Germany and included, you know, human chains between different cities. And then there was also over the, throughout the 1980s, continuing protests at the sites where then in 1983 the weapons were, the new, the new round of NATO nuclear weapons were um, deployed and um, so this was a movement that uh, had these moments of this hot autumn of 1982 with some huge protests, but did not just go away after that. I wasn't aware of what you describe as personal peace treaties. Tell me about those. <laughs> yeah, that was actually, I mean, one thing that's important to keep in mind is that although in the West it was much easier to protest on the streets, you know, the West German regime was not going to lock people up just for marching orderly down the street. And there was also a powerful peace movement, or at least there were a lot of people very concerned with peace and, and a small active peace movement in East Germany. And one of the steps that East Germans took, because precisely because they couldn't so easily um, have a mass demonstration in the streets, was to say that they would make a personal peace treaty with someone in West Germany. So they and would declare... The two, what, between two individuals... Exactly, yeah. So it was a practice that started at the grassroots level, um, but then, for example, was taken up then by Petra Kelly, the famous West German Green activist, and she tried to conclude a personal peace treaty with Eric Honecker, who was at that time the leader of East Germany. I actually interviewed Petra Kelly on this program many years ago. Now, oh, wow. the Yugoslav Wars of 1980s sees the beginning of a change in attitude, especially about other people's wars. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, basically, what, what happened was that, um, you know, this this reaction that you could trade, that we talked about how it goes all the way back to the, to the media post-war period of wanting to have nothing to do with war anymore and thinking war is, is an evil. In, in German, nie wieder Krieg, never again war. Um, started to get a little more complicated in the 1990s because Germans were confronted with the wars in the former Yugoslavia and were trying to decide, is it right to intervene in order to try to help um, a group and a group that's basically being oppressed by a stronger group with better weapons and to do something? And the, the decision became never again war versus never again Auschwitz. So should we stop ethnic cleansing and genocide? by military means, or should we reject war and therefore try to find some other way to stop these other evils? Stephen, even the Green Party was changing its thinking. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, you know, Petra Kelly, who was murdered in 1992, has been held up a lot as a Green who rejected um, 
war at all on, on basically who would always have subs- subscribed to this never again war principle. She wasn't there anymore in those debates. And Joschka Fischer, another Green who had come to prominence in the 80s and became even more important in the 90s. And he was the one who basically said, you know, we as the Greens should acknowledge that um, this principle of never again Auschwitz, never again genocide is more important even than never again war. And we need to change and, and this is uh, now the prevailing view with Ukraine, that Germany should no longer stand by. It should help the more deserving side win its war. Yes, exactly. I mean, uh, and I think, you know, particularly this this was something that was already kind of coming into focus in the 1990s and the case of the Russian invasion or Putin's invasion of Ukraine makes it all the more obvious since on the one side you have you know, a, a nuclear a, a country with a vast nuclear arsenal of of 180 million people, and on the other side, a country that's been invaded against its will. You make a very powerful point when you say that uh, Germany has gone from a post-fascist country to a post-pacifist country. Yeah, I really think that that's sort of what's happened. That you know, for a while, the 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 weight of fascism and the the history of that and processing that past was a key reason that Germans embraced pacifism, learning from their own uh, past mistakes. And now, I think you know, Germany has moved to sort of say, okay, we've we've learned those lessons and we are starting to think in a new way. Um, so, yeah. So Germany's worked so hard to overcome its Nazi past with its culture of peace. Yeah, I think, you know, I really see the 1990s as a key turning point, and you could also link it back to someone like Annalena Baerbock, the current uh, foreign minister, who's also a Green. You know, she's um, she, she was a, a young adult in the 1990s, and she she's even said in some of her statements, you know, how uh, influential it was to her watching those wars going on, watching the Srebrenica massacre occur, watching the siege of Sarajevo, and that led to a new lesson, you know, not the lesson that um, war should be avoided, but rather the lesson that if you have some way to intervene and stop these evils from happening, even if that means uh, sending more fuel into the fire in a way that you should do that. Stephen, thanks for your time. I've been talking to historian Stephen Milder in Munich and uh, we'll link to his uh, Boston Review article about this on our webpage. And uh, Stephen's book is Greening Democracy, the Anti-Nuclear Movement in West Germany and Beyond, 1968 to 1983. And it's published by Cambridge University Press. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.